We've looked one Sunday morning at unnamed character in the Bible, John chapter 4. A woman that went to the well and got living water and ran with the message into her village and told it. Last Sunday morning we looked at another unnamed character in the Bible in John chapter 8 a woman taken in adultery and of course the theme was neither do I condemn thee. We come this morning to another unnamed character in the Bible found in Luke chapter 23. Again, reading at verse 33. This account does not give this man's name, but he stands on the record that there was salvation in the death chamber. Salvation in the death chamber. This man was not on death row. He was in the death chamber. Listen to this reading, verse 33 of chapter 23. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand, the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiments and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also, they deride him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be be Christ, the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him, and offered him vinegar, and saying, If thou be king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost thou... Does not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man had done nothing amiss. And he said said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour. There was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened and the veil of the temple was rent in the mist. The personalities in this scripture found themselves at the point of no return. The... Ultimate extreme of life is seen here. As we said, these three were not on death row. 
They were in the death chamber on a hill called Calvary of the Roman government. And so they had gone beyond the death row. The word Calvary, as it's used in the New Testament, is uh, the Greek rendering of the word. And Golgotha is the Hebrew place, meaning a place of a skull. Three men were being crucified upon crosses. One of these three died in sin and was lost forever. One died in sin and was lost forever. One died to sin and was saved forever. The one in the middle died for sin and was the Savior of the world. Our Lord was dying in the midst, the middle cross. This is the accurate description of our Lord and all that he did and all that he is and, and where he stands in every generation. He's always in the midst. He's the inescapable Christ. He must be faced. He is the unavoidable, unavoidable Christ. You cannot dodge him. You cannot ignore him. He must be faced. He's in the midst of human history. When we write a check and date it, on that check, year of our Lord, we're acknowledging that he indeed is in the midst. The question of all questions is, what will you do with Jesus? Three men on three crosses, suspended between heaven and earth, dying in the death chamber on Calvary's hill. And the most remarkable thing took place here. The most unlikely man to be saved got saved. This is a remarkable conversion and demonstration of remarkable faith exercised by this man as he was dying. Here was a man passed in his past life, gave no evidence of faith. In fact, in the first part of this passage we read, he joined his friend in railing upon Christ. As you put together the four Gospels, you get this. He joined in with his friend. And then something took place. <coughs> John Wesley said that conversion is the work of God's grace in the heart. That's what you were singing about. Nothing short of that is conversion. Nothing short of it. It is... <coughs> Represented in this account. Here's the first trophy of God's grace. The most unlikely man got saved that day. In fact, others were running away from Christ. This man saw something that others had not seen. He's the first trophy. So I want us to consider these verses under two headings now. Number one, 
the appeals that were made to Christ. There were two appeals made to him in this passage of Scripture. If you'll uh, look down at verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. He was appealing to be rescued. Now remember, both of the thieves on both crosses made appeals to the Son of God. This gripped my attention when I read this, and I read it a hundred times or more, but I see here that both were in the same circumstances. Both were equally near the Lord Jesus. Both of them was near enough to hear him speak and to see him and what took place. Both were in the need of mercy and forgiveness. And yet, one died in sin and went to hell, and the other died to sin and went to heaven. This is indeed one of the mysteries of life that we face every day as we do in this church as we come to worship and to meet together. For one receives that that's come into the heart, another rejects and walks away again without Christ. And so this drama continues in all generations and it does this morning. This is indeed one of the mysteries of life. One is greatly disturbed, the other unmoved, untouched. Verse 39, here's the appeal to be rescued. He <clears throat> rebuked Jesus when he yelled out, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. He wanted to be rescued. He wanted to get out of his troubles. That's about it. You know salvation is more than that. And that's the way it's presented in many places, many churches. That Christ solves all your problems, therefore you're to come to him. Listen, Christ is more than that. He's more than that. This man was wanting his problem solved. He was dying the way he lived. He had no room for God in his life. And you know, you die the way you live. You die the way you live. He had no regard for God or his word, no interest in others. In death, he's still railing, rebuking, (coughs) blaspheming. (coughs) It's reflected in the voices that we hear in the background you can hear the voice of the devil as he's echoing all through his life Satan had tried to get Christ stay away from the cross (laughs) now he tries once more and he's railing upon him Jesus not interested in saving himself He was interested in staying on the cross, saving us. 
as he died that day so he could redeem us. There was an appeal to be rescued. He said, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. Why don't you come down and save yourself and rescue me while you're at it. <laughs> that was his appeal. But there's another appeal in verse 42 by another thief. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me. Here's an appeal to be remembered. One was to be rescued, the other one to be remembered. At the beginning, both were involved in the rebuke. Somewhere along the line, this man began to see more than anybody around that day. I don't know when it was. I don't know what it was that gripped his soul and his heart, but something happened. Did he observe the attitude of Jesus towards his crucifiers? Those carrying out the job of the Roman government? Did he notice Jesus' attitude toward them? I notice here one of his prayers. I read it to you. He said, Father... Forgive them, for they know not what they do. And in the language in which your New Testament is written, it's continual action. He kept praying, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them. I imagine when they pounded the nails into his hands, he was praying that prayer. When they pounded the nails into his feet, praying that prayer. When they took a sword and pierced his side, a spear and pierced his side, he's praying that prayer. It's continual action. So was it the attitude of Jesus? Was it the action of Jesus as he faced death? Why, other people facing death we're afraid. Why, his friend over there was afraid. He said, why don't you rescue us from this? But this one wasn't afraid of death. Did he notice that? That he was in control down to the very last? I faced death. You know, the way people face death tells you a lot about them. Doesn't it? Doesn't that tell you? It's not like the movies, you know. They walk right in the face of it. Not like that. Not like the TV. Not the reality of it. Not the reality of it. So, was it the action of Jesus? Was it the prayers? prayers that he's prayed he listened to him he's close enough or did he catch the reality of the sign that was above his head that said king this is the king of the Jews did, did that dawn upon him that he is really king 
Did he watch him coming up Calvary as he made his way through the streets? As I read this account, I'm amazed at the theology of this fellow. Didn't know anything till he got to Calvary. And then he began to know a whole lot. <laughs> for instance, this man understood a reverence for God. He said to his friend, Don't you fear God? Don't you have a fear of Him? You know, folks today don't seem to have a fear of God at all. Bible teachers would have a reverent fear of God. Folks don't seem to fear God, no man. But this man feared God. He had a reverence for God. That's the beginning of knowledge. Second thing, he understood the judgment of God. He said, we're in the same condemnation, same judgment. He said to his friend, our judgment is just. He understood something about the judgment of God. And God has so fixed his divine principle of divine judgment that it always comes to every deed in the universe God is so ordered the universe so every deed is brought to judgment in other words your sin will be judged somewhere God is so degraded the wages of sin is death the gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord every soul that sinneth it shall die that's the that's the greed by God third thing he not only had a reverence for God and he understood something of the judgment of God he'd come to believe in his own sinfulness he said due reward due reward he said we're, we're just, uh, he was willing to admit that something was wrong. You come a long ways when you get to that place. Do you know folks many times on their, what we call their deathbeds, in the death room when they're dying, it takes them a long time and some of them never make it to come to admit that they're sinful before God. They keep holding out. Why, well, I'm a member of the church. Wasn't I baptized? Didn't I go? Wasn't I a member of Sunday school? So on like that. The death in Bobby's family, Mr. Ernest, Thunderbird, great friend of the family and uh, through the years and getting up in age and, and for many years he was superintendent of the meals there Eden, Draper 
and a man highly respected in that community. But when it came to salvation, he rejected it. And his mother, I remember his mother, kept witnessing to the whole family. And she kept telling them that he did the Lord. Then the day came when the carrier out to the grave. She was gone. But her prayers and her testimony held good in that family. For the day came when Mr. Bundaberg began to realize his mother was right. <laughs> his mother was right. Preacher Gene Graham, pastor there, made him to the Lord. And I went up there to hold the revival. We went over, Pastor and I, and see And he was all together there. His attitude changed. He had the uh, countenance that changed. That's what Jesus does. sickness he had him to carry him to the church and baptized him he was sick he really wasn't able to be baptized but he wanted to be and he was he realized his sinfulness this man did fourth thing he had come to believe in the sinlessness of Jesus. He said, this man has done nothing amiss. He believed that Jesus was sinless. Fifth thing, he had come to believe in the Lordship of Christ. You knew I'd say that. Verse 42, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. He realized that Jesus was Lord and King. And he had a kingdom. By the way, all who get in have to believe that. They really do. He saw royalty in Jesus. It seemed no one else believed Jesus was a king. Even though he had the sign above his head. People walking by. This man did. This man did. He saw royalty in Jesus. He saw resurrection in Jesus. When thou comest. When thou comest. He said, I know you're dying now, but one of these days you're going to rise again. He saw, he saw royalty in Jesus. He saw resurrection in Jesus. When thou comest, somewhere, somehow, you're going to rise again. He believed that. He saw resurrection in Jesus. Third thing, 
He saw redemption in Jesus. <clears throat> he had no New Testament. He didn't even have a copy of the Old Testament with him. Didn't have time to read it. Surely God had revealed some things to him. He saw redemption in Jesus. God had been revealing truth to him as he watched this one die upon the cross. Listen, I urge you to go yonder to Calvary, climb the hill slowly, and watch this one die. He's not like other men. He's beyond other men. In this appeal, this man wanted to be remembered. Simplicity is here. He said, Lord, remember me. Then it's personal. He said, me, remember me. I don't know about these others. He's saying, remember me. They don't believe on you. I do. Remember me. Then he was sincere about it. Here he was pouring out his life's blood. This is it. He was down to the last. This man's conversion refutes the idea that baptism saves. Baptism doesn't save. It uh, confirms. It confirms, but it doesn't save. Some people believe that the that water washes away your sin. Doesn't do that. Now, baptism is important. But you know, you could be baptized in every frog pond from here to Jordan and know the names of all of the tadpoles and the frogs. Be baptized so many times. Still not be saved. For salvation is not in the water that washes the way sin. It's in the blood of Jesus Christ. He's the, his blood washes away sin. <clears throat> this does not mean, what I just said, does not mean we're we to ignore baptism. Does not mean that. So here's the appeals of these men. One, appeal to rescue. One, appeal to be remembered. And then a second thought is this. Not only the appeals, but the answer of Jesus. The answer of Jesus. I marvel as I stand amazed at the answers of Christ in the scriptures. For instance, Jesus gave a word that confirmed or affirmed uh, what this thief was saying. He said, verily. You see that? In verse 43, verily I say unto thee. Verily. This word means amen. Amen. Of a truth, of a truth. Amen. Boys and girls, did you know there's two words that are the same in all the languages of the world? Two words. One is hallelujah. No matter what language, it's the same. The other word is amen. 
Those two are the same. Jesus is confirming now. He's saying, Birth, I say unto you. He gave a word to this thief that was needed in season here. Not only did he do that, but Jesus gave a word of salvation. He said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom somewhere out yonder. Jesus said, You don't have to wait. Today, Mr. Thief, I don't know where you had your breakfast, but I you had your supper with me. Today, today, don't you like the way some of these cults get around, man? I read one, here's what they said. That it wasn't a word of assurance at all. That Jesus just said, uh, Today, today, I shall read. Kind of uh, excited, is he? No, there's certainty here. He said, Today, this day, shall thou be with me first. going to heaven with me. That's certainty. Here's a word that confirms. Here's a word of salvation. Then a third thing. Jesus gave a word that consumes. He said, with me. In this passage, with me comes before paradise. You get that now? This phrase, with me, comes before paradise of heaven. Why do, you, why do you put it like that? Because you got to have this person to get in to paradise. you got to have Christ to get in. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. A Christian doctor was witnessing to one of his patients. That's the switch, isn't it? He was witnessing to one of his patients in his office. And then there was noise at the door. His little dog had come to the door and scratching on the door. The doctor used it to witness to this patient. He said, that's my little puppy, my little dog, scratching the door. He's never been in this office. He doesn't know what's on the windows, what kind of drapes we have, or what kind of shades. Or he doesn't know the color of the wall. He doesn't know anything, this table or this desk or what's in this room. Why does he want in this room? Because he knows I'm in here. That's why I won't see him. Why do we want to go to heaven? Because Jesus is there. That's why. That's why. Today shall thou be with me. I remember. 
داشتم 